A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as, the, as well as those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was the son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God a high priest, according to Melchizedek. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their leaders lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. <clears throat> Blessed be the God of abundance. 
Amen. So today is the big day. Are you ready? You think I'm talking about the Giants, don't you? It is the big day for the Giants, but today is the kickoff of our stewardship campaign (laughs) to fund the mission and ministry of St. John's for the coming year, 2013. So it is a big day indeed. And in our stewardship campaign, we ask all those uh, who support St. John's to make a financial commitment to the ministry of this church. And indeed, part of what it means to be a member of St. John's and of any church is that you offer some form of regular financial support for the ministry of that church as a stewardship of your resources. Stewardship campaigns have two purposes in my mind. The first, of course, is to fund the mission and ministry of a congregation, to fund our ministries in the communities, to fund our programs, to pay staff, to keep the lights on, to help fund the life of this community. And related to that is to spend some time focused on how we live out our faith in relation to our money, to our financial resources. Last Sunday in his sermon, Father Steve had the brilliant observation that based on a reading of scripture and the history of the church, you you could easily get the impression that the church's view on money is this. Money is bad, so give it to us. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant and astute observation on uh, Steve's part because it is easy to get that impression. It's an incorrect impression, but it's easy to see how people get it. Jesus does spend a lot of time talking about money. What we hear in the media and things about church is all these conversations about human sexuality. But if you look at scripture, Jesus spent very little time talking about any of that stuff and a whole lot of time talking about money. Because money and our possessions are such a fundamental spiritual issue. Where your heart is, there your treasure is also. So it is not, in fact, the case that money is a bad thing. It is an essential thing in many ways, some form of currency. Money becomes a bad thing when it becomes more important than God. That is the message of Jesus and the church. When money becomes the focus of our life, it's very easy for that to happen. It's very easy for that to happen. But money becomes a negative thing when instead of generosity and love and the God of abundance, we instead become focused 
on money. Because what happens to our life then is we succumb to this underlying anxiety of scarcity instead of the abundant life we have from God. Scarcity becomes an issue. Do we have enough? Are we going to run out? Not that those aren't real concerns in our daily lives, but if they become the focus of your life, then money has spiritually taken a place above God. Money, for people of faith, becomes sanctified by how we use it. And I believe that Christian stewardship is about using our financial resources, yes, absolutely, to take care of the fundamental needs of our life, to use it for our needs, and to serve God's work in the world. To use our resources to care for ourselves and to care for God's work in the world. That means supporting the church and other organizations that do God's work in the world. Not only the church. There are lots of wonderful things doing God's work in the world. And when we support those organizations, when we support the church, when we help someone in need, we are sanctifying those resources by using them in the giving way that God has called us to do. And part of how we do that is by giving first. So that we give off the top. So that giving becomes our first act with our resources. Rather than giving out of what is left over. Let's see what's left and then... Maybe I'll give some of that. But rather, giving is our first act. What I have found with our own family, with my own family, and I commend to you, is that we have to give off the top, and we have to give at an amount that says this is a priority in our lives. So that we're really giving enough that it's giving for something. It's a decision, an active decision to do this. So we are going to trust in God and make a commitment to support St. John's or the Global AIDS Interfaith Alliance and our schools and things like that. But the spiritual gain, the spiritual freedom I have found comes from making a significant enough commitment that you're really standing for the things that you value in your life. The theme of our stewardship campaign this year is grace, gratitude, and generosity. At our parish retreat up at the Bishop's Ranch, we focused on making room, making room in your life for all sorts of things, including God. So I want to invite all of you to think about how do you make room in your life, to see God's grace? Where do you see God's grace in your life? I feel like life is, my life seems to mirror my email inbox. Like there is just so much coming in, and it is so easy to miss stuff, at least for me. 
And I feel like God's grace is just like one of those emails that sometimes I just forget to look at. Where do you make room to look for God's grace? Where do you make room in your life for gratitude? One of the great cliches of Christian spirituality is that we are called to live our life with an attitude of gratitude. It's very cliche and memorable, but it's really quite profound if you think about it. To approach your life with an attitude of gratitude, to look first for those things for which you are thankful. And making room in your life for generosity. For generosity. When we are generous with our time, with our financial resources, with our attention, with our love, when we are generous in those ways, it calls us into the very life of God because God is the source of all generosity. Sometimes we learn the most from those who seem to have the least. Last year, when uh, I traveled to our sister parish in Malawi, Africa, I was so moved by the people there and the incredible, I mean, the poverty is unbelievable. It's, I think, the 10th poorest country in the world. And to see those people coming up in church, they don't pass the plate. The ushers stand in front of the church and everyone gets in a procession with music and they come forward and they make their offering. And people who seem to have so little have such gratitude for what they have. And the generosity was amazing. They told us of times when people who may not have any money to give the church will give the church a chicken or a bag of rice or some beans so the church can sell it to continue its ministry. That's generosity. And what really blew me away, some of you have heard me say this before, was how joyful they were You know, I look at them and say, these people have the least. But I have to tell you, they have a lot more joy than most of us do. I could not believe how much these people smile and laugh compared to me and most Americans I know. What does it mean to truly live with gratitude and generosity and joy? Giving of our resources, including our financial resources, to doing God's work in the world is good for our souls. It's good for our souls. It makes us servants. In the gospel, we heard Jesus talking about those who are first must be servants. To serve, to serve God's people. Giving is an act of service that helps us model God's life. So yesterday, which I hear was quite a beautiful day, I don't entirely know because I spent almost its entirety in the basement of Grace Cathedral, along with several of our parishioners for our diocesan convention. So we were down there in the basement of Grace Cathedral on the most uncomfortable chairs I have ever sat in in my life. 
So doing God's work is not without cost. And the bishop of the diocese, Mark Andrus, in his address to us, talked about parishes. So St. John's would be a parish, if you're not familiar with that word. We're a parish church. So we talk about parishes and as a gathering of people and as a, a geographic area, as a parish. And he pointed out that he had just recently learned that uh, the etymology of the word parish comes from a word which means neighbor. Neighbor. So to be a parish means being a good neighbor among neighbors. Being a good neighbor among neighbors. And that's part of what we are, is a community resource. There is the neighbors who are part of this community, and there's the larger neighborhood, which we are all called to serve. Your financial support of the church and other organizations that do God's work, your giving of your time and your energy is an act of loving your neighbor as yourself. Today, my wife Amy and I make a significant monthly commitment to support St. John's mission and ministry uh, for the coming year. And I invite you to join us. Please, won't you be my neighbor? Uh-huh.